the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Everybody online, what's up? Peace. Good to have you with us as well. It's not going to be a total shocker, uh, and someone maybe in here can relate and say amen, to know that I'm a huge Austin FC fan. And if you're not, something's wrong with you. Like, you really should be into this. Um, It is not only the greatest soccer team objectively in the world, but it is also in possession of the greatest fan club in the world. Am I right? Los Verdes, okay? Hasta la muerte, we said. Until we die. Even if we lose a lot, which, you know, is a thing. But we are uh, so lucky to have a a fan base like we do. And when I read the scriptures today, I think of Los Verdes. Um, They are the epitome of riffraff. Of smoke, drums, chants, noise. And when we score, and when we win... It is electric in that place. little side note here. Um, the stadium, when they score, it goes dark and they turn on these green lights and everyone goes nuts, right? Well, in my garage, I'm like, with permission from Michelle, working on constructing a kill switch that I can hit because we have a TV in the garage. We watch the games. I can smash this button. The lights go out and the green comes on and smoke and, you know, bring the stadium back to me. That's not funny. Come on. That's amazing. I'm so into this. Um, and when we don't win... Or when a referee makes a call that we don't like, which happens to us a lot for some reason, um, we, uh, we get angry. We get mad. In fact, can we put them... Would it be okay if we put Austin FC in the prayers of the people every week? Because, I mean, if we don't pray for them, who would, right? Um, when we don't get what we want as a fan club, uh, we, we revolt. We get angry. We're yelling at referees. We, we just kind of lose our minds a little bit. Because we're so into it. There's a craving among us to win, to score. Did you hear the reading this morning? Let me read it. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. That's immediately what I thought of when I read about um, Israel in Numbers chapter 11 this morning. God's people had been rescued from slavery in Egypt and delivered into the wilderness where they ate bread that literally came from heaven and quail. And it was getting old. It was getting stale for them. You know, when you have like the same cereal every morning, at some point you're like, I hate this cereal. I need something different, right? Well, this is just me. Okay, fine. I, that's just my thing. Um, When you have the same kind of food, you get sick of it, right? This is where Israel was. They had this growing discontent. So the rabble that was among them had a strong craving and it started to build. This word in Hebrew, rabble, that we translate for rabble, um, is a suf-suf, which is this alliteration. This literal meaning is like a gripe group, um, a riffraff. You see how we get these words, right? The motley crew. And a suf-suf is what happens when there is a collective angst in a group of people with eroded hope driven by frustration. Am I describing a community that you might recognize or think of or like, you know what, this, this sounds like... We've all been a part of, or we know, we know what it's like to be part of the riffraff. Israel was the riffraff. And then their nostalgia kicked in. They remembered the days of captivity, but not rightly. They remembered their captivity in a deceiving way where all that they remembered wasn't their enslavement and all the crying out to God for his help. What they remembered was the sweet, sweet food that was on the menu in slavery. It's always selective memory. This is how temptation works with us, isn't it? 
And it was brutal for Israel to have that nostalgia right in the moment of their need and be tempted that way in their hunger and in their weaknesses. This is what they said in verse 5. This is number 11, Numbers 11, verse 5. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers. Oh, the cucumbers. The melons. The leeks. The onions. The brisket tacos. Mm. You remember? You can picture this, right? But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. They had this strong, strong craving. It was, you could say, even a lust for the things they used to have, the way things used to be before this God got involved and rescued them. Remembering only the seemingly satisfying parts of a thing that holds us captive is such a familiar thing for me. Maybe it is for you as well. For Israel, their collective memory was still captive, in fact, to this slavery in Egypt by what used to be. And that temptation was, it made it really difficult for them to see the reality of their freedom in the present and the provision that God was giving to them in the present in the wilderness. Because their memories were still captive, they couldn't see the reality before them and then live into it. Because their imaginations were still captive and nostalgia was creeping in. And when a whole community like this, when a whole society falls to this, you have a rabble on your hands. A craving that drives and stirs. Not only is it really difficult to be a part of a community like this because it implodes and everybody's pointing fingers at each other and like, you're the reason things are messed up. No, you are. Not only is it difficult to be a part of that, it is so much more difficult to lead that. To carry that. So in verse 11, Moses turns to the Lord with this unbearable burden of this rabble, this riffraff on his shoulders, and he says to God, I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. And you know what God does in response to this? When God hears Moses' cry for help, the burden's too much, Lord. You see this. When God hears this and he sees the rabble, he tells Moses, suck it up, dude. I'm going to send in my PR team, thoughts and prayers coming at you. I'm going to tweet at Israel telling them that things aren't so bad and you should just look at the bright side of this. Guys, you're free at least, right? Thanks be to God. Let's go home, right? No, God did not do this. He didn't handle or manage the riffraff like we expect leaders or authorities to do. God didn't do that. He did something fascinating, in my opinion. Something so good, actually, that when we imagine ourselves as a community of faith, there's good news for us here. So this morning, let's discern the thing that God did to the riffraff and invite that same thing among us, shall we? This is good news. Let me tell you what he did. First, God came close to them. We take this for granted. God came close to them in their need He said, I'm going to come down and we're going to talk. In the tent of meeting, which was this pre-temple tent in the wilderness where God would meet with his people. God said, I'm going to come down. We're going to talk. How compassionate and wonderful it is to have a God who in our riffraff doesn't distance himself or condemn us, but draws near to us in love and says, let's talk. What's going on? What do you need? If you believe in a God that doesn't do that, 
Your God doesn't exist. The God that exists is a God who in your need, in our riffraff, comes close to us in love and says, I'm here. Let's talk. Whew, that's good news. Amen? Come on. That's the God we have. Second thing he does is he empowers the community for such a great need. He empowers the community. Taking some of the spirit that was on Moses and then redistributes it over 70 elders in the community. That's what God does to empower the community to meet these needs and to share the burden that was so heavy for Moses. This is our God. Think about this. This is our God who does not assuage our nostalgia with the sweet food that we were lusting after in captivity. This is our God who empowers his people in their weakness to meet every need that they actually have. This is our God who takes our riffraff and he transforms it into, with the power of heaven into the community of Jesus. This is our God who take our crying out, our complaining, and transforms it by his love and his power into prophetic speech that this God is present and he's at work in our lives. Did you hear the reading? It was so profound that this guy came up to Moses like, did you see what's happening? I should tell him to be quiet, who was jealous for Moses. And Moses was like, dude, what's your deal? Look at what God's doing. Let it go. Praise God that he's empowered other people to speak prophetically. This is our God, friends. Amen. Thank you. So then, y'all, how much more than for us as a church is this good news for us? How good is it? How good? You remember? James, how good is it? How good it is? James, hit it. Say, that's your line. How good is it, Sean? You know, the... All right, sorry, sorry. Okay, here we go. Ready? You, you know how good it is? How good is it? Thank you, James. <laughs> for the community. Oh, thank you, brother. How good it is for the community of the new Moses then. Listen to this, y'all. How good it is then for the community of the new Moses, Jesus Christ, who is not only present with us, really, but leads us through our wilderness even now. Even while our burdens are so great, it was never too great for him who bore all our sin and went to the cross for our sake to release us from the captivity of death. That's how good it is. Amen? You want to know how good it is? Thank you. That the community of the Spirit, us, the church, where the outpouring of our gifts, of the God's gifts, must be put to work, not only for our good, but for all of the needs that sit beside you right now. That's how good it is. You want how good it is, James? Thank you all. I'll tell you. For those that receive God's liberating work right under the oppressive burdens that they're in right now, even in sin. For those that receive this rescuing Liberation that we have in Jesus to be set free, forgiven, and empowered with a whole new resurrection life. Even while we live in a world still captive, still craving those sweets of captivity, this world that's around us is a riffraff 
and we have this resurrection life to bear witness to a new way of living. That's how good it is. Amen? Amen. Come on. It is so good, friends. It is so good. I really believe this. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of my own life when I'm sharing this with you about how good it is that God is present in my need and empowering me with his gifts to not only satisfy me in ways that the world could never satisfy me, but also to be a participant in the way that God is serving other people and meeting the needs of others. This is truly living. This is the resurrection life that we have in Jesus. And it is so good. Thank you, Father Jonathan. It is so good. It is so good. And listen to this, that anyone who threatens this goodness, Jesus has words for. And they're not soft words. You heard them earlier. He says this, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. That's how good it is. These are the kinds of words that Jesus has for anyone who steps in the way or obstructs that. And friends, this is the sentence that was read at my ordination to the priesthood. You know what I'm saying? Uh, So I still feel the weight of that when we put on this stole, that burden. I'm no Moses, um, and I don't carry this alone, but there there is a burden for this community and its needs. That with the Spirit's help and walking with Jesus as a partner, God has given us everything we need to meet those needs. He warns us, though, even in this really extreme hyperbolic fashion not to let anything get in the way of participating with the Spirit's empowerment of our lives to meet the needs of other people. Don't let anything get, no body parts, your eyes, your ears, your feet, just cut them off. It's like better that you cut them off than you let something get in the way of what God's doing, his inbreaking kingdom that's come now. Don't let anything get in the way. Because Christ is risen and his spirit is upon us. And so we are free from being just a rabble, a riffraff, an asufsuf. No, God is doing something brand new in human community. And it's good news for us. So friends, we don't have to reminisce about the things, the way things used to be before the pandemic. Remember when, when things were so chill, we had to wear masks and like, we like hug each other. We don't have to worry about like, remember that one church we went to that had like all this money and we could do all this kind of cool stuff. We don't have to think about like, remember that one time that I got really hurt? Man, I want to go back before that. We don't have to get stuck in the past and lust after the sweets of our captivity, but can live in the present now receiving the gifts of God and saying, yes, Lord, now let's go. Break your kingdom into this world. I'm with you. And through a community that is able to do this, a community capable of, of receiving the presence of the kingdom now and the Spirit's gifts. Think about this. A community who is capable of receiving this, God will meet every need among them. He will, and more. Holy cow, he will. This is what James writes. Instead of being captive to that reminiscent stuff, establish your hearts on the coming of the Lord. That's what's up. Don't look back there anymore. Be free from that. Establish your hearts. Decide in your heart now. I'm waiting for the king to come, and I'm going to live accordingly. Whereas we are a community blessed beyond measure. It's stunning, the wealth that we possess. And it's all in these seats right before me. God has placed upon you his spirit with a wealth of gifts. Not just for you, but for everyone that sits around you. You don't know the needs. I hear a lot of them. Trust me, there's a lot of needs. 
And guess what? The good news is we're not hopeless just to be a riffraff and complain to God and just think, oh, this stinks so bad. We have actually been given everything we need to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ because God has already been generous to us. And it's all right here in you. For those who watch online, might be thinking like, well, how do I get in on this? We have people in this church who serve to make this happen, who give to make this happen, who sacrifice their time and their efforts and their, their gifts and their skills to make this community happen, even for those of you online. We are, in some ways, the expression of uh, God meeting needs to you through these other people. That's like a perfect example of that. We're going to have coffee. Who made it for you? You know, listening to our musicians, like this is like a wealth of needs. And beyond those kind of typical service roles and things like that, there are people in our church who suffer from loneliness and despair and shame and guilt and on and on. And it, there are so many needs among us and you sit next to them. What needs or what gifts has God given you that might meet those needs? It's not rocket science. Thanks be to God, we have everything we need in Christ Jesus who forgives our sins and empowers us with a spirit to get to work, to get up and get moving. So I want to ask you this morning, what gifts do you have? Not if. Take my word for this. What gifts do you already have that God has given you that are going unused? What energy of the spirit, what energy of love resides idle within you that needs to be dusted off and put to work? What are you sitting with in your hands and in your experience and in your your skills and in your heart that you might be a blessing to others? Have you thought of this recently? As a church, res, we have everything we need to meet the needs around us. So therefore, let us not look behind at the cost of being able to see what God is doing right now because he is doing a great work even now among us, even if you can't see it. God is present. He's at work. Let's look to Christ and his kingdom in faith, knowing that he has established his presence among us and is making all things new. Amen. And because of this, we come to his table and we are fed by his presence as a sign of his kingdom. And as a church, we don't come arms crossed, but we come hands open saying, Lord, deposit in me your presence and that power of the spirit. And Lord, help me to be faithful to cooperate it cooperate with it. To receive Eucharist isn't just to eat it, but it's to be consumed by it and then sent into the world to love others. So friends, prepare yourselves. It's about to go down. We're about to reach our hands out and receive the kingdom and be changed forevermore. Amen? Let's take a moment of silence and like we wrap our head around what's about to happen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.